Hello there. Welcome back to the Jedi Library. Today we're going to tackle a really fundamental question. What is a Jedi? In the Star Wars mythology, the Jedi represent an archetype or perhaps more accurately, a blend of archetypes. But what is an archetype? And what has this got to do with us, living our lives in the real world? An archetype is simply a very typical example of a personal thing. Literally, an archetypal example. Carl Jung, the psychoanalyst, developed this definition further. The archetype is a recurrent symbol or motif in literature, art or mythology that develops from a primitive mental image inherited from the earliest human ancestors and theorized as being present in the collective unconscious. So archetypes are symbolic characters in myth, but also become aspirational blueprints for us to emulate as best we can in the course of our lives. But what might be the archetypes that George Lucas blended into his fictional vision of a Jedi? I've come up with a list. Number one, the wizard, sage, or mage. A character familiar with arcane, esoteric knowledge developed into an insightful wisdom and an agency to wield that knowledge to affect the world. Think Gandalf. Number two, the mystic. A character in direct communion with the absolute, fundamental, divine power of the universe. In the Jedi case, this universal power is known as the Force. Three, the philosopher king or queen, a character who has significant or even ultimate political power, who is wise enough to wield that power with humility and insight for the benefit of society. Think Marcus Aurelius or Queen Elizabeth I. Number four, the warrior monk, a character who is spiritually sophisticated ethical and highly skilled in battle, warfare of all kinds, physical, mental, spiritual. Think of a Shaolin monk or a Knight Templar. Number five, the healer, a character who is compassionate and skilled in relieving the suffering of others, specifically in the curing of emotional trauma, physical injury, suffering in all its shapes and sizes. Think Florence Nightingale or Mother Teresa. Number six, the teacher or guide, a character who has the inclination, knowledge and skill to pass on what they have learned. Think Jiddu Krishnamurti or Alan Watts. In the Star Wars mythology, the Jedi embody all of these archetypes to a greater or lesser degree. In all likelihood, we probably already have a good idea of what wizards are, what philosopher kings and queens, warrior monks, healers and teachers are. But what is a mystic? What archetype is that? The dictionary definition is as follows. The mystic is a person who seeks by contemplation and self-surrender to obtain unity with or absorption into the deity or the absolute. In other words, mystics are those people who see through the veil of appearances and experience a deeper, more fundamental reality. 
evidence for such people dates back for as long as we have recorded history. Simply, they are people who have recognised their true identity to be at one with what is. Furthermore, the mystic is in direct communion with the fundamental, unmediated by an institution like the church or clerics, such as a pope or bishop or priest. Sometimes their revelation arrives in an unexpected flash, sometimes after much research and dedicated contemplation, meditation and effort. In any case, no matter when or where they lived, mystics all report the same thing. The overwhelming experience of unity is the most real, most meaningful experience of their lives. Belief and faith are left utterly redundant in the face of this direct, immediate knowledge. In many cases, people who have had a mystical experience then go on to do the same thing. They tell other people about it. Whilst the experiences themselves and people's responses to those experiences are extraordinarily similar, the outcomes for speaking of such revelation have been wildly different. In the best known cases, the mystic unintentionally founds a new religion, like Jesus did, or Buddha did, or Muhammad, or Lao Tzu. Or they might have started a new spiritual movement, such as George Fox founding the Quakers. In some cases, they were killed for blasphemy. In other cases, they were excommunicated. In most modern cases, however, their friends and family roll their eyes and tell them to pipe down and maybe to go easy on the psychedelics. In any case, this is the first insight of the mystic. You are one with what is. This knowledge can be understood intellectually, realised experientially, and felt in the very core of your being. You are the force, and so is everybody else. The recorded works of the mystics compile a body of information now known loosely as mysticism, in other cases, this knowledge became widely known and widely available. For instance, in Hinduism, Buddhism and Taoism, it became exoteric, known widely. In other cases, it was suppressed, especially in Christianity, or merely tolerated, as in the case with Sufism in relation to Islam and Kabbalism in Judaic traditions. Often the reports of the mystics became mixed with myth over time and stories of supernatural powers and incredible feats often infiltrated the underlying narrative. But the fundamental similarity of the mystical experience and its implications are remarkable. In the last couple of hundred years, as many more translations of spiritual writings have become available, this body of work has become known as the perennial philosophy. With that in mind, it is to the perennial philosophy that will next turn our attention. What is it? What does it say? What effect can it have on our lives? The perennial philosophy has been best summarised, almost bizarrely, by Aldous Huxley. You may already be familiar with his best-known work, Brave New World, a much-admired work of fiction that remains as, if not more relevant, today than it did when it was published in 1932. Others may know his work via the Doors of Perception, one of the early popular descriptions in Western literature of the experience of taking psychedelics, in Huxley's case, mescaline. Although these are his most popular books, his greatest work is The Perennial Philosophy. Indeed, in its review, the New York Times concluded it is 
the most needed book in the world, a masterpiece. It is a dense and thorough synthesis of the writings of mystics from across the world and across millennia. To this end, he states in the introduction to the book, rudiments of the perennial philosophy may be found among the traditional lore of primitive peoples in every region of the world, and in its fully developed forms, it has a place in every one of the higher religions. This perspective wasn't new. The concept of perennialism has been around for thousands of years. By example, St Augustine guessed as much when he stated, what we call the Christian religion existed amongst the ancients and never did not exist. However, it was only in the 20th century that enough translation and scholarship on mystic texts from around the world and across the ages could be analysed by one person in one lifetime. We'll go into much more detail on the perennial philosophy in future work, but the good news is that the thrust of Huxley's message can be condensed into what he called the minimum working hypothesis. I simply call it the invitation. It has five parts. Here we go. Number one, there is a force, which is the unmanifested principle of all manifestation. Number two, that force is transcendent and imminent. Number three, it is possible for a human being to know, love and become the force. Four, to achieve this unitive knowledge and to realise this identity is the final end and purpose of existence. Five, there is a path to follow in order for humans to achieve their final end. It's a remarkable invitation and one that raises many, many questions. What is an unmanifested principle of manifestation? What does transcendent and imminent actually mean? What does Huxley mean by the final end and purpose of human existence? Sounds quite ominous. What has this got to do with identity and the human condition? We will examine answers to these questions and many others in the future. But one question we can answer straight away is, what to call someone who has accepted this invitation and consciously walks the path it begins to reveal. We call them Jedi. A Jedi is someone who has accepted this invitation and gone on to develop a deep and broad life within the Force, embodying many, if not all, the archetypes that George Lucas based his fictional Jedi on. However, the biggest question Huxley's invitation might leave us with is what is the force? For a first answer to that question, you might want to watch this. In the meantime, if you have questions or suggestions, do let me know in the comments and please do hit the like button and subscribe. Until the next time, may the force be with you, always.